a few weeks ago, you right, remember that I said during a homily that I needed to do a sermon series about things Father is worried about. And so today, I have the great opportunity to talk with you about how I am worried about how much you worry, which I think is itself evidence of the problem. Let me explain. One of the great advances of modern science is being able to understand mental health issues better than perhaps we ever have before. Our society and even our churches are becoming places where people can openly discuss these issues without a stigma that was attached to them before. But we're now also just beginning to wrap our minds around just how advances in technology and social media are contributing to the same health issues. And the way we've treated some of these things is becoming more and more questionable. Now, the question has to be asked, are we just more aware of certain things than we were in the past, or are we actually seeing a dramatic increase in certain mental health issues? Well, the answer to that question isn't something that I can give you because it isn't in my wheelhouse of expertise. I need to stay in my lane, and that isn't my lane. But I can share with you what I see and what many of my priest brothers and I all over the country and the world have identified as things that we're beginning to see a lot more of in our parish communities. First of all, it is a wonderful thing to see many people in our parishes who want a deep relationship with God. And they want to take advantage of everything the Catholic Church has to offer to deepen that relationship. You know, the good news is that our pews are filled with good people who want good things. Now, of course, you know just as well as I do that we still live in a broken world. And we all experience that brokenness in so many ways and want to overcome it. And sometimes that's just really hard. So where do we see that brokenness? Well, first of all, human relationships. Divorce, remarriage, domestic violence, artificial contraception, abortion, the whole panoply of gender and orientation-related issues have all had a profound effect on every single human relationship, from mother to child to spouses and friends. I think at this point it's pretty safe to say that we've all either directly experienced brokenness with these things in some way or have been affected by it. And we're so terrified now of engaging body and soul in any relationship, much less a permanent relationship, as the hermeneutic of suspicion 
makes us reticent to even follow that ancient maxim, trust but verify. And then we conflate our own self-image with the success of those relationships. And so then when a relationship doesn't go as we think it should, we feel absolutely and utterly destroyed. Second, there is a very real crisis of confidence in the authority of institutions of almost any kind. We've seen what the abuse of power, sexual scandal, and incompetence have done in the Catholic Church at a very close range. But that dynamic has been repeated and continues to be repeated in all kinds of other sectors of society, from government to the workplace. And so we're now in a situation in which we can't trust each other at all anymore because we've forgotten that we do belong to each other. Third, the cancel culture and decision-making processes impelled by liability rather than authentic human flourishing have corroded the mechanisms by which true justice can be found. And where mercy can enter and heal. What do I mean? You know, every time somebody comes to me and say, hey, Father, I have a great idea of something new to do here at church, okay? And you would think I would be like, that is wonderful and amazing, that's awesome. But I immediately go into a panic thinking of all of the million and one ways in which can go terribly wrong and we can get sued over it, right? That's sad. It's just sad. And when something does happen, because sometimes things are going to happen, because that's living in a broken world, what a normal human conversation could heal often gets distracted by the terror of thousands of, but, 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 but what if that could bring about even greater pandemonium and ruin? Fourth, because this situation has heightened each individual's awareness of the need for self-preservation, the concept of loyalty to anyone or anything is being thrown out the window. Think about how many faithful employees who have worked for a company for decades that are now fired from one day to the next because of profit. You know, there are some Catholics, right, who change parishes like they change their shoes, right? You know, often based on an emotional response to their priest, as if liking a priest had anything to do with where you should go to Mass, right? If you're here because you're like, oh, Father Chris is a nice guy, then that's not why you should be here, right? Now, there are two places that I'm seeing all of these four trends kind of coalesce in a very interesting and not necessarily healthy way. The formation of our young people right, in different activities and educational initiatives and the confessional. 
the formation of young people happens in all kinds of different ways, right? You know, it happens in school, it happens in religious education, in catechetical programs, it happens in youth groups, sports, extracurricular activities, all kinds of things, right? And, you know, we live in what is very sad to say, a violent world okay, where trust has been routinely violated. And so, Parents, when they drop their children off at whatever it is, whether it be a school or RE or youth programs, not just here but anywhere, often, and not entirely without reason, are worried about what someone from the outside or the inside could do. In that environment, any mistake or mishap or disagreement you know, sometimes can become a pitched battle. And then parents will, you know, say, okay, well, this situation isn't untenable, and so then they'll jerk them out of that situation and then put them into another situation merely because it's different and no more stable than the one that they just came out of, right? And sometimes this even happens with parents' relationships with significant others, right? You know, Parents have their own issues at home because everyone has issues, right? I mean, that's part of life. It's understandable. But then sometimes those issues are as individuals, sometimes as a couple. And all that emotional burden gets transferred to the children. And so we're seeing greater emotional dysregulation in adults and in children. And sometimes we now have young adults who have the world at their fingertips, right? They have the joy and the promise of youth and all kinds of beautiful and amazing possibilities before them. And they're absolutely and utterly terrified to do anything. And then they're terrified that they're not doing anything. One of the things that is happening is that sometimes we forget that it's okay to feel the feels, right? It's okay for us to recognize our feelings and to recognize them for what they are. But then having done that, then we have to choose to engage our intellect and to form it to do what is actually the best course of action with the information, not that we might possibly could have, but that we actually have, right? And so because those things aren't always connecting the way that they should, anxiety increases exponentially, right? And so this in turn affects educators and volunteers and coaches and administrators and parents and clergy who are all caught between, okay, how do we help each other? How do we help this situation be the way that it should be? And then how do I make sure that I don't get messed up because of the million and one ways that I could possibly see this going totally and utterly wrong? I want to throw a factoid out there, which is something that I think is interesting. The industry standard in the United States today for keeping the principal of a school is two years. There's a huge crisis in recruiting and retaining teachers, and more and more good professionals are just checking out. They just don't want to deal with it anymore. This is not a good thing. 
And there are many reasons why this is the case. But all of these kind of emotional issues are all kind of part of it. It's important for us to recognize that this is a thing. And then the confessional. Now, you've heard me say this before, and I know that I sound like a broken record, but because so many people now get their formation and their religion now from haphazardly cherry-picking the internet, right, then more and, more and more people come into the confessional with some strange ideas about moral decision-making, sin, and the sacrament of penance, right? Converts and reverts and ordinary Catholics who may have frolicked amongst the flowers of evil and converted, right, bring their wounds with them. But then sometimes they end up stabbing themselves in the wound rather than healing it. And so a desire to be serious about the faith can degenerate into scrupulosity. And then when religion doesn't fix them, they think it's all bunk. And then they apostatize. I can't tell you how many people that I've had to come to me and they said, Father, just fix me. And I'm like, I can't do that. That's not my job. That's not what I'm here for. If I could do it, I'd do it in a heartbeat. It'd be great. I can accompany you and be with you in this place. But I can't fix anyone. I can't even fix myself. Okay? Only God can heal our woundedness. You know, sometimes people come to confession, you know, with real burdens on their souls and in their hearts they do. And they're looking for mercy and they're looking for grace and they're looking for joy and thanks be to God. And confession is a beautiful place to find those things. But then sometimes they expect the priest to wave a magic wand and just poof them into being a saint, right? They hear that they need to actually go down the royal way of the cross and to develop the virtues. But some people just want me to give them a devotion to say like it's a prescription from a doctor. Right? And so they get agitated. And then they just wander from priest to priest, spiritual director to spiritual director, parish to parish, and then they leave the Catholic church, and then they go to another church, and they don't find what they want there, and so they go to another church, and then they go to an ashram, or they go to a mosque, or they go to a synagogue, or you know, they go to a drum circle, or whatever, and they just go on and on and on and on, until they get so exhausted, they just give up. And then the current state of the Catholic Church, where confusion about doctrine and incoherence about discipline has become the order of the day, is a very weird place to live when you're looking for the kind of clarity that a mathematical equation is supposed to provide. Anxiety is at an all-time high, like I've never seen before. And its effects are devastating to individuals and are devastating to everyone in the vineyard. People begin to fear that they are irretrievably broken. 
It is heartbreaking for me to have people come to me and they really do see themselves as broken toys. And I'm like, no, you're not. You're a child of God and an heir to heaven. And there may be some aspect of your life that seems impossible. I get it. But that's not the totality of who you are. And that's not the totality of all of your possibilities. But they think that. And so there's this widespread inability for people to have peace for more than about five seconds, right? Am I just seeing more of this? Am I just more aware of it? I don't know. But I talk to my brother priest all the time and we share these war stories of all of this kind of thing. We're all seeing this and all worried. And so as I was preparing this week for this homily, all of this stuff was swirling around my mind, causing me lots of anxiety, right? Like, I have to help my people through this. I have to help myself through this. How can we do this? And then I opened the Word of God, have no anxiety at all. Thanks, Jesus, (laughs) or St. Paul in this case. Have no anxiety at all, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. Then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, you know, this upcoming phrase I have memorized. I say it to myself all the time, and it is one of the most consoling words of Holy Scripture, and so I don't mess it up, then I'm going to read it. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious, if there is any excellence, and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Then the God of peace will be with you. God gives us a lot of wisdom to navigate this life, and we just don't take it He tells us what to do right here. We just have to do it. Remember that God has foreseen everything that ever was, is, or will be. And he permits it because he's given us this great gift of free will. Even when we can't, with our limitedness, see the why. His providence and His wisdom are always bringing about everything to His glory. God is God, and you're not. God is God, and I'm not. Yes, do your reasonable due diligence in every situation, and then give the rest of it to God. Padre Pio, who is one of our modern age's most loved saints, was very famous for saying, 
pray, hope, and don't worry. And every time I hear that, I get irritated. I'm like, but, but Padre Pio, don't you realize? That's why he's a saint and why I'm not. I'll be turning the lights out in purgatory at this rate if I get there. Pray, hope, and don't worry. He didn't say that because he was an eternal optimist, you know, the kind of glasses half full rather than half empty kind of guy. He said it because God is sovereign, and we waste the time and energy we're given to, we are given to do good by spinning ourselves out of control, trying to control things that were never, ever ours to control in the first place. To trust God isn't to say, que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. To trust God is to realize that he is not a genie in a bottle to just give you what you want, how and when you want it. To trust God is to fall down and worship him. No matter what happens around you. Because nothing you say or do is going to change his wise, eternal decrees.